And just nudge your neighbor with your elbow and tell him we're going somewhere today. Put your seatbelt on. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse 1 and then Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse number 7. Before I even read uh, the passage of scripture, I want to remind you of what the word Deuteronomy means. It means to repeat. It means repetition. So when Joshua, God tells Moses to tell Joshua to repeat in the ears of Joshua that Amalek would be defeated. This is the rehearsal. This is the repetition. And some of you need to be reminded that the enemy is defeated today. Amen. So I'm going to repeat it one more time. The enemy is defeated. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 1. And this is the blessing wherewith Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. Skip down to verse 7. And this is the blessing of Judah that Moses pronounced. And Moses said, Hear, Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him unto his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him, and be thou an help to him from his enemies. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, The Blessing of Praise. Say that to a few folks around you, the blessing of praise. If I was going to subtitle this message, I would call it, Get a Grip. Everybody shout it, Get a Grip, Get a Grip. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word, and for the next few moments of time, we ask you to anoint the ears that we can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church in this critical hour. Help the preacher to preach things he didn't study to say. And help the people to hear things the preacher does not say. We lean into faith today, believing that our lives will not just be challenged, but they will be changed by the preach word today. So we lift our hands and we say, have your way, God. Your servants are listening. We break every generational curse and we dismiss every generational spirit. And Father, we thank you that the spirit of revival is breaking out even in this hour. Throughout this nation, even in this sanctuary, people will step into a new realm of revelation today. They will step into a new room of their destiny today because the word is going forth in Jesus' name. Before you sit down, clap your hands. Give God praise. One more time, everybody. Bless the Lord. Give somebody a fist pump and tell them it's on in the building right now. Amen. And then you may be seated. You may be seated. So when we read this particular text, you must understand that there's a transition happening is in regards to the people of God. The people of God is God's heart. He calls them his treasure. God says to his people, come out from among them and I will be your God. And you shall be my people. When you study theology, I find it very interesting that theology is the study of God, but most people study about God and not study God himself, denoting the idea that God has moves, God has manners, God has methods. The Bible says of Moses that Moses understood the ways of God. 
And this denotes the idea that there is a walk in God that you're able to discern a move from God before the move of God actually happens. This is called the spirit of expectation. I believe that in this hour, this critical hour in church history, that God is speaking prophetically and that learners in this season will be leaders in the next season. Concerning the 12 tribes that Moses blesses in Deuteronomy chapter 33, this is the same 12 tribes that Jacob prophesies in the book of Genesis chapter 49. Jacob has the right to prophesy to these 12 tribes because he is a patriarch in the history of Israel. So his 12 sons have now reserved and made their father a space to be able to speak into their life. And Jacob predicts their future by filling their future with words that would frame their world. I just said something very powerful, and I hope you didn't miss that. That fathers have the authority and the ability to speak to succeeding generations by predicting their future to them. Pre is before. Diction is words. Don't allow social media and peers to fill your children's worlds with words that they want them to have. You must step in as the authority and fill your generations full of God's word. Can you say amen to that? So this blessing that Moses speaks is in a transition period. Moses is about to pass off the scene. As a matter of fact, when he blesses these tribes, he's standing on a mountain in Deuteronomy 33, and he's peering into a possession that he will never enjoy. Whew. He had an anointing to lead the people to the threshold but he wouldn't live in the promise with them. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them through the wilderness, but it would be his successor, Joshua, that would bring them into the promised land. Moses had an exit anointing on him, an exodus to lead the people out. Some of you carry that anointing in your family that you would be the first one in your generation to lead your family out of a cycle of curses and into a realm of blessing that your family has never seen. Could you be the Moses in your family? And then Joshua has an entrance anointing. What Moses let out, Joshua let in. Joshua's procedure is going to be much different than that of Moses because when Moses traveled with the Israelites, Moses kept the ark of the presence of God in the middle of the camp. But God tells Joshua, you take the presence of God and put it in front of the camp so that the people have to follow the presence. This is a day when God is saying we must put emphasis back on his presence, that the presence must be in front of us, that we learn to follow the presence of God. 
instead of expecting the presence of God to follow us. Denoting the idea that we give the Holy Ghost the entire agenda. And when the Holy Ghost says we're going this way, then we go that way with the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen to that? Now some of you are thinking, what kind of rhetoric may this be since that the 12 tribes are in the Old Testament? Why would you even bring this to our attention, Pastor Rick? My Bible tells me in the book of James, chapter 1 and verse 1, that his epistle is written specifically to the 12 tribes that are scattered throughout the earth. That is not Old Testament rhetoric. That is New Testament dialogue. James said, I am writing to the 12 tribes that are scattered throughout the earth. Now, we know that Naphtali and Zebulun and and Benjamin and Dan and Gad and all of those people are far gone. But they left an indelible impression in the spirit atmosphere in the earth. And we see those 12 tribes represented in local churches today. You have Benjamin churches that are ambidextrous. Benjamin was left-handed. Benjamin was unorthodox. He was unusual. Benjamin had a prototype anointing on his life. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. You've got Dan churches that judge, which means they teach, all right? You've got Gad churches, which say, you know what? We've got a church of recovery. The enemy had his way in many of our lives, but now it's our turn. And you could go all through the tribes and find these personalities that are still in the earth today and they're represented in churches across the globe. That's a powerful thought. Can you say amen to that? So when Moses looks into the future, he sees these tribes and he speaks a blessing over each of them. He did not sit in the seat of prophecy. He sat in the seat of blessing. And he could only bless these tribes because of the relationship that he had with them. I find it uniquely different that we have people trying to prophesy over us and bless us when they have no relation to our history. That's why it is so easy for people to condemn you because of a disqualification from your past. But they didn't walk through the wilderness with you. I'll just leave that there. This is the blessing of Judah. And he said, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah. We must first understand the significance of the tribe of Judah. Everyone say Judah. According to Hebrews 7, 14, the Bible says this, it is evident that our Lord, our Lord sprang out of Judah. Hebrews 7, 14. It is evident that our Savior sprang out of Judah. Now, that's very powerful. Because of all the tribes that Jesus could have came through, he chose Judah. God chose Judah to bring forth the ruler. God chose Judah to bring forth the chief. God chose Judah to bring forth the captain of our salvation. God chose Judah to bring forth the savior of the world. That's a strong statement. The Bible clearly states time and again that Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. Now watch this. When Moses blesses the tribe of Judah, 
he speaks of his voice. Everyone say voice. There is a difference in being heard and having a voice. There's a big difference in being heard and having a voice. To have a voice is to have influential power. To have a voice means you have enough influence to help decide a matter. Someone say this with me, my vote, I mean my voice counts. When we lose our voice, we lose our influence. When we lose our influence, we lose our voice. We lose our voice by not being vocal enough about what really matters. It's quiet in this building today. Y'all sound like a Baptist church today. It's all good, though. I can go Baptist on you. We lose our voice by not being vocal enough about what really matters. We also lose our voice by talking so much that you can no longer be heard. Hmm. Having a voice sometimes means knowing not just what to speak, but how to speak. And more importantly, when to speak. Yeah. I thought about it this morning and I thought the best way to get your voice back when you've lost it is to let it rest. The best way to get your voice back once you've lost it is to let it rest. I remember doing the Azusa Conference, and Donnie McClurkin was singing that night. And Donnie was sitting in the foyer of the hotel. And I walked up to him, and I've talked to Donnie 20 times before this, and I said, what's up, brother? And he just looked at me, and he nodded. I said, Donnie, how you doing, man? He just did that. I said, are you okay, Donnie? And he just touched his voice like this. And then the fellow that was with him said, Pastor Rick, he's letting his voice rest because he has to sing tonight. He lost his voice last night. But he knows if he can just be quiet for about 20 hours that he'll get his voice back. It's not just what you speak. It's when you speak. See, timing your voice is very important because if you're screaming while everyone else is screaming, you're just a screamer. You just blend in with everybody else. There's no discernment. It's just noise. But if you'll time your voice perfectly, when the noise dies down and you speak, Everyone listens. 
All right, let me work on this thing a little bit. So Moses begins to bless the tribes. He starts with Reuben and he says, Lord, your blessing on Reuben is a blessing of multiplication. Your blessing on Levi is a blessing of worship. Your blessing on Benjamin is that he would be secured and safe and he would dwell between your shoulders. Joseph's blessing would be you will bring him all the best gifts of the earth. Hmm. Pretty strong stuff, right? But Judah's blessing is that his voice be heard. Now watch this. This particular blessing is not on every voice. He didn't say let Reuben's voice be blessed. He didn't say let Naphtali's voice be blessed. He only said it, Michelle, about one tribe, and that was Judah. He said let his voice be heard. This particular blessing from Moses the man of God, everyone say specifically, was specifically for Judah. All right, here we go. I believe the church is the result of Jesus. Does anybody else in here believe that? I think it was Jesus that said, on this rock, I will build my church, right? If Jesus sprung up out of Judah, then the one characteristic that every church ought to have is the characteristic of Judah. Is that too deep for y'all? Because Jesus came from Judah. Jesus built the church. If Judah is the root, then Judah ought to live in the fruit which is the church. All right. Now watch this. I believe the church is losing its voice for many reasons. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, it's time for my people to find their voice. We must find our voice not because we have lost it or never had it but because we have mispositioned it and can't find it. Somebody shout, we're about to get our voice back. In other words, sometimes we are screaming, screaming about what matters to us and we're not screaming about what matters to God. Lord have mercy. Woo. It's time for the church to find its voice, not because we never had it, but because we have mispositioned it. And we call things that matter to us the voice of the church. Because it matters to you, you think that is the voice of the entire church. Just because you have a feeling about it. 
You can't say it's the voice of the church until it matters to God. Life matters to God. I'll just leave that and let that rest there. Life matters to God. Many things matter to God that we do not voice. When I studied this today, I thought this is very interesting that the blessing is on the voice of Judah. And then the Holy Ghost took me somewhere. And the Holy Ghost said the blessing on the voice of Judah does three things. I'm going to give them to you right now. We're going to be done. Number one, it brings him to his people. Deuteronomy 33, 7. This is the blessing of Judah. The voice of Judah is blessed and it shall bring him to his people. Whew. The principle is this. Voice has a pull to it. Voice has a pull to it. John 10, 4. Jesus said, and when he puts forth, the shepherd puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. And they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow. But they will flee from him. For they know not the voice of strangers. Sheep know the voice of their shepherd. They do not follow strange voices. You have found your people when you hear yourself in them they speak your language bring him to his people be careful when you have too many voices speaking to you it becomes difficult to recognize the right one when you have too many wrong ones the question is who are you giving influence to to speak into your life? Whoo! When Peter and John are let go in Acts chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible says they came to their own company. In Acts chapter 12, Peter's let go again after being arrested. He goes to the door where the believers were praying, and the Bible says Rhoda recognized his voice. And she ran to the gate, and she screamed, he is free. There's something very powerful about a people that recognize the voice of their family. There's something very powerful about a congregated unit, and that's what the word people here means, bringing him to his people, the congregated unit, that when one of us cry, all of us recognize. It's hard to bring a sec segregated agendas into one corporate body and call it a congregated unit when we have so many disagreements that we can't find the common ground of faith. When our opinions mean more to us than our faith, we can't find the common ground of agreement and we wouldn't know if somebody was crying for help or if they was crying because they was mad. But we should have in us the ability to recognize families 
voice. Can you say amen to that? Whew. The Bible says in Genesis 49:10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh come, and unto him Judah shall be the gathering, to Judah shall the gathering of the people be. Whew. Let me say it like this. Judah means celebration or praise. People want to gather where praise is evident. If you show me a praising church, I'll show you a church that people can't wait to get to. Why? Because they recognize the sound of gratitude. Because they say that's a family member. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. So when they hear the praise of people going up, that God has pulled out of darkness into his marvelous light, they can immediately identify Judah praise has a gravitational pull to it. If we've lost anything in the church, we've lost praise. We've lost celebration. We've lost the intensity of giving God a high praise. Let the high praise of God be in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand. What has happened to the celebration in the house of God? Why do we come to the sanctuary so studious that we are so scared that something might break loose that would cause us to lose our dignity, that we don't want to be identified with someone that is so radical about giving God the craziest praise that they can find in their heart? We have lost praise in the house of God, and it's time to bring it back. Judah has a magnetic appeal to him. Praise is powerful. Praise pulls. Amen. Thank you for all ten of you that are hearing me today. The blessing of praise gathers people. The voice of Judah gathers people. Then it says, the voice of Judah strengthens his grip. There is something in your praise that strengthens your grip on God. Praise renews your passion. I worry about people who wait for somebody else to put on their praise before they put on their praise. And let me help you with that because some of you are looking at me like, first of all, it don't take all that. And secondly, it's not my personality. But my Bible tells me he didn't ask you if your personality was the kind that might give me praise. He said, if you don't praise me, then the rocks will cry out. Here's the problem in the church today. You wait for me to do this. And then you go, now he's praising. My question to you is, what in the heck are you doing? Why do you have to wait for the platform to break out in a praise before you put your praise on? Why does everything have to happen here if Judah lives in you? Then you ought to have a praise in you that you don't need nobody else to conjure up for you to, some of y'all won't praise until your kind of music is played. 
You won't praise until your song is sung. You won't praise until your favorite singer is leading the song. That's not true praise. You are just responding to a performance that you happen to like. Lord have mercy. Praise strengthens your grip. Let me say it like this. If you are a praising person, you're not going to let go. If you are a praising person, you're going to hold on until your breakthrough happens. In other words, you're not going to let the problem you're dealing with cause you to lose your grip on your praise to God. As a matter of fact, your problem only causes you to tighten your praise and make your praise more intense. I'm just checking the thermostat to see if there's anybody in here who has an appreciation for praise. Because when you really do the Hebrew etymology, it's really wild because it's spinning and jumping and dancing and shouting and clapping and it's very demonstrative. You have no problem doing that at your little boy's football game. You ain't got no problem doing it at the Oklahoma down here where the Thunder play. You don't have no problem doing it at Sooner Stadium or in front of your TV watching over you play football. But when we get in here and we talk to you about a Savior that died for your sins and he got up on the third day, you think you're too special. Now watch what happens. When you do that long enough, you begin to lose your grip. So the blessing from Moses on Judah is that his grip would be strengthened. If you want to strengthen your grip on God, you cannot afford to not praise him. You have to praise him. I'm going to go Bible on you here. Hebrews 12, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down. <laughs> Isaiah 35, 3, strengthen the weak hands. <sighs> the weak hands are the hands that hang down. Listen to it. means there's slack in the hand. It means that lets things pass. Disregard, neglect, relax, loosen. When I read it today, God said, tell my people, get their hands back up. The Bible says, lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Who shall ascend the mountain of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. There's something about your hands that's powerful. Then I heard God say, stop letting things pass that you should be catching. See, your spirit has catchers. And when the word's going forth, you got to get your spiritual hands out there and catch it. It's not a time to disregard what destiny demands. Quit neglecting the gift that is in you. It is not time to relax your Praise. Watch. Do not loosen your grip. Tighten your grip. Now, I'm going to go here with you. In Scripture, anytime you talk about and you find this word faint, 
It has to do with loosening the grip. And you study it. You do the Hebrew exegesis yourself. You're going to find out that any time the Bible talks about faint, fainting, it's loosening your grip. I realized something about the Lord. Many times, Tony, God will just give you something to cause you to tighten your grip again. Sometimes God will slip a blessing on you just to make you go, oh, I almost let go. Whew. Jesus said, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Men ought always pray and not faint. Loosen the grip. Or fail to hold on. Isaiah 40, 29. He gives power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increases their strength. Young people will faint and be weary. Young men shall fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not Faint. Whoo, Lord have mercy. You faint because of a loss of oxygen that makes you lose focus. All right, here I go. I'm trying not to do this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you something in the natural that's happening in the supernatural. All right, watch this. Mask. I have nothing against my, I wear masks. Sam, show my mask. That's my mask. I wear mask. Okay, some of y'all don't. God bless you. It's all good. But I wear mask. All right? I don't wear mask all the time. But when I feel like I need to put a mask on, I'm putting the mask on. God showed me something. I was at a restaurant trying to order. And I was listening to the girl tell me the special of the day. And this is how it sounded. And I said, I can't understand what you're saying. She said, I, and then she got loud, it's my mask. It's a sign in the natural of what's happening in the supernatural. When you tell churches in California, y'all can gather 25 at a time, but you can't sing. That's a sign in the natural of what's happening in the supernatural. The enemy is trying to silence He's trying to muzzle our praise. Job said in Job 32, the matter that I carry in me is like wine that is fermenting and is about to burst the new wineskin. And he says this, I have to give it vent with my voice. When you carry a great purpose in the earth, you ought to be the biggest praiser in the whole building. Here's what I learned, Joe. People that ain't carrying much don't say much. But people who are carrying a whole lot, they got to give voice and vent to what they carry. The Lord spoke to me and he said, it's a ventilator issue. What you see in the natural is a sign of what's going on in the supernatural. A ventilator is for the purpose of cleansing stale air or fair, foul air. So a ventilator allows you to breathe clean air, but at the same time, it's killing you. Don't get me wrong. 
Hear what I'm saying. There's a spiritual ventilator that you need to lock into today. And listen, without vent, there's no voice. Without voice, you can't visualize. What you voice, you will visualize. What you vent, you will voice. But you've got to breathe, honey. Take your spiritual mask off. Get your ventilator out and say, I'm about to voice my praise because I'm carrying big purpose and I'm not going to let nothing silence my praise so he says strengthen his grip strengthen his hold strengthen his hand what was he referring to? He's referring what his daddy prophesied over him in Genesis chapter 49. Because when Jacob prophesied over Judah, Joe, he said this, let his hand be on the neck of his enemy. And some of y'all are losing your grip on the enemy's neck because you are fainting and losing fortitude. But when you put your praise on, you begin to squeeze down. Tell your neighbor, I'm tightening my grip today. Tell your neighbor, get a grip. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Every time we lift our voice, every time we put on our praise, we begin to tighten down on the neck of the enemy. I dare you to turn your praise up and choke your enemy out. Tell somebody, I'm going to tighten up on him till he taps out. He's not going to want to do nothing with me no more because every time he shows up, I'm going to praise until he taps out. I was watching Khabib last night. Now, I know y'all don't know who Khabib is, but he's a UFC fighter. I don't like Khabib. Khabib is not my favorite fighter. I think Khabib is sneaky. That's what I think about Khabib. But Khabib is undefeated. You can argue about him all you want, but the boy don't lose. 29-0. He won last night, threw the glove down, said, I'm done now. Let me show you something about Khabib. I was telling these guys watching the fight, Maverick and Josh was with me. I said, don't let that boy get his hands on him. What you mean? I said, if he ever grabs him and stops boxing, it's over. He going to choke him out. Everybody he fights, he get on their back and he chokes them out. And I said, he going to choke him out till he passes out. Sure enough, he got down there like a monkey mixed with an anaconda. <laughs> Wrapped himself around that boy, got his leg and arm around his neck, put the choke down on him, and guess what happened? The boy passed out. I mean, he went out, stopped the fight, fight over. Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you're preaching the right message. I said, all right, Lord, speak. He said, tell my people, if they will put a praise on with all their heart, I will squeeze down on their. Tell your neighbor, my praise is going to tap him out. See, your praise has a way of causing the enemy to say, I don't want no more of you. Let me finish this. 
Everybody all right? So the blessing of Judah is this. Praise brings you to your people. The blessing of Judah is this. The blessing of praise taps your enemy out. It strengthens your grip. Third thing. He said, help him from his enemies. Psalm 61 verse 4. Hear my voice, God, in my prayer. Preserve my life from the fear of the enemy. Lift your hands. I rebuke fear right now. Now notice what he said. Hear my voice and then set me free from fear. There's, there's a, prog a progression there. In other words, don't ask God to set you free from fear unless you're going to bring voice with it. Hear my voice and let fear go away. If you're sick in your bed right now, lift your voice. Because as you begin to lift your voice, fear starts walking out of your room. As you begin to praise him, fear starts walking out of your life. As you begin to voice your gratitude to God, fear starts leaving your life. This is strong. Oh, Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 20 and I'm done. See, Christian, Jehoshaphat is facing three armies. Mount Seir, Ammon, and Moab. Moab means what father? Fatherless generation. Ammon means of the people. We do what the people want to do. We, we ple people pleasers. Mount Seir means goat-like people. Always stubborn. Always got a rebuttal. Never flows. Always hitting back against the suggestion. Don't want to find a flow. They want to fight. And that's the people Jehoshaphat is fighting. And he kneels before God and he said, I don't know what to do because they're about to take us out. Soon as he prays that honest prayer, I don't know what to do, Jehaziel, a prophet, walks in. And he says, I got the word of the Lord for you. And here it is. You shall stand still and the Lord shall fight this battle. Now watch what it says. In 2 Chronicles chapter number 20, verse 22. And he says, you're going to go out and you're going to sing that the mercy of the Lord endures forever. That's all. One stanza. Just sing that. And the Bible says in verse number 22, and when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir which had come against Judah they didn't come against Jehoshaphat they came against the spirit of Judah but when Judah began to sing God began to defeat the enemy in their future what you don't know is the praise you give God today is the problem you are alleviating tomorrow the praise you give him now is the problem that you are erasing tomorrow. I dare you to jump on your feet and give God a praise like you know he's working for your good. There's a blessing on your praise. Oh. 
Now everybody's standing. We're going to go somewhere with this. Just everybody stand. I got five minutes. I got five minutes here. Everybody stand. We're going to go somewhere with this. This is a ge generation that is intrigued with voice. We love to judge voices. Yeah. We have panelists, but when it comes to the finalists, it's the people's vote. Come on. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm telling you? So you got things like American Idol. Man, that's heavy. America's Got Talent. Yeah. The Voice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you're being judged right. by your what? Right. Voice. By your voice. Yeah. People are judging. You're, this is a Come generation on, this, this is that good. is intrigued with voice. Mm. Those TV shows are very, very popular because <laughs> this generation loves to voice and judge voices. We love to speak our mind and judge other people's mind. Am I right about it? And we are caught. We enjoy watching it. And we even enjoy when they sign contracts. Come on. We even celebrate losers because they got a good story. But it, they didn't get there unless they had a voice. Come on, sir. You're here, people. You have a voice. Why aren't we using our voice of influence in the spirit realm as much as we are on Facebook? Voice means to claim and proclaim. To claim, read it in the Hebrew, and proclaim. To claim what is rightfully yours. Some of you have heard me tell this before, but I'm going to tell it again. I was at the airport and saw my bag go by. And somebody picked it up over there. I knew it was my bag because it came by me and I missed it. Airport was crowded, see, coach, and it got way over there about where you are. And the guy picked it up thinking it was his, and he started walking off, but it was crowded in there. So I couldn't get to my back, but you know what I could do? Throw my voice over there. So I started hollering, hey! Hey! Yeah. He finally stopped and looked around. I said, that's my bag. And some of you have allowed the enemy to get your stuff and just walk off. And you ain't said nothing. I dare you to holler, hey! Come on, tell him, hey! That's my peace. That's my joy. That's my health. That's my faith. That's my finances. That's my family. Hey! So watch this. The first time voice is used in Scripture is walking. The voice of the Lord is walking in the cool of the day. And what's the voice doing? He's calling out, Adam! Adam! Where are you? What is he doing? He is claiming what is rightfully his. You know what the voice of God is doing in this building today? He's screaming your name. And he's saying, you are mine. My child is lost in the woods. Somebody, you could go and holler for him, chief, but he wouldn't recognize your voice. 
But if I stood out there, come on, sir, come on, sir, come on, sir, and I kept saying, "Hey, Dustin, Dustin, Dustin," eventually yes, he sir. would find me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Listen to me. Your blessing is trying to find you, but he can't hear you. You gotta open your mouth and give God praise until your blessing shows up. I ain't done yet. When Bartimaeus is on the side of the road crying for his healing, Jesus stopped and he said, who's that that is crying out? They said, it's Bartimaeus. He said, call him to me. Your shout gets his attention. And they called him to him and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? His praise opened the door of heavenly privilege. Jesus said, I'll do anything you ask because you would not be quiet. And the people kept telling him, be quiet, quiet down. And the Bible says he got louder and louder and louder and louder until he got what he came for. Church in this hour is too quiet. We are not loud enough.